Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. I'm so happy that you're back. This week, we are talking about boundaries. I would say boundaries are one of the most underrated sources or unrecognized or unidentified sources of anxiety that we are all dealing with. I know they are for me. I know that my anxiety would improve a lot if I could live my life with a little more boundary in place, but I also acknowledge that putting boundaries in place can be sources of anxiety in the first place. So it's a bit of a head scratcher. For this episode, I am joined by the incredible Melissa Urban. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's an incredibly accomplished lady, very impressive, and she really gets it. Her book, The Book of Boundaries, is out now. And here I ask her for everything that could possibly help us wrap our heads around the idea of setting boundaries and how to navigate through the bits that make it a little bit tricky. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you as always for listening, for your reviews, your feedback, for sharing with people who you might think would it, the episode would help. It all means the world. Thank you so much. Melissa Urban, oh my god, it is such an honor to have you on my podcast on Owning It. Thank you for making the time. I don't know how you have the time. You are such an accomplished woman. Thank you so much. It's I'm really happy to be here. I love doing podcast interviews. They're like some of the my most favorite parts of my work. So yeah. So you are the the co-founder and CEO of Whole Thirty. You're a recovered addict. You're a six-time New York Times best-selling author, a mother, a podcaster. Is there any more strings that can fit onto your bow? <laughs> um, it's very, very impressive. And um, I'm delighted. I'm delighted for you that you're publishing your book uh, on boundaries. It's so so exciting. I think that it's such a kind of unknown or maybe flies under the radar as such a source of anxiety for people that they don't maybe think to question. Um, and I love the irony of the book that the title about, you know, setting limits that will set you free. Cause we think that to be free means to just live like limitless. And actually for me, one of the biggest resources in coping with anxiety has been acknowledging my limitations and working with them instead of against them yes I think that boundaries 
are sort of the framework or the hammock that supports all of your other health and wellness efforts, all of them, mental health, energy, time, capacity, physical body, and anxiety or feeling dread or avoiding certain people or situations or conversation topics is the first red flag Mm -hmm. that a limit is needed because a limit is designed, a boundary is designed to protect all of those things, both in yourself and in your relationship to make the relationship itself expand. It's so true. And while I feel like I've gotten such a handle on my experience of anxiety from when I was really having a lot of panic attacks to now, the one area that I find so hard but where there's probably the most like latent anxiety still lingering is with boundaries. Um, I would love if we could, if you could maybe in your expert opinion, define a boundary and how a boundary differs from like avoidance or controlling behavior. Cause I think we can, if we're anxious natured, we can be afraid that that's going to be bad for us. Yes. I do think one of the common misconceptions about boundaries is that they are about controlling other people or telling other people what to do. And that is not at all true. A boundary is a limit that we set around how we allow other people to engage with us, to keep us safe and healthy, and to improve the relationship. So I'll give you a very kind of basic example. Say you have a friend and your friend is a smoker and they come into your house and they pull out a cigarette and they go to light it up. Your boundary is not, you shouldn't smoke. Your boundary is not, smoking is unhealthy and it's bad for you. The boundary is, I don't allow smoking in my home because Mm -hmm. it smells unpleasant, because I don't like it the way it makes me cough, because the smell lingers on the the furniture. That is your boundary. So it's not about telling the other person what to do. It's about saying, in my space, this is what I allow and do not allow. And If the other person accepts that invitation to be in your space in a way that works for both of you, if you say, would you please put that outside, put that down or go outside and they request, they honor that request, then you are able to have this relationship that now feels more free, more open. They know you have a limit and you've expressed it clearly and kindly, and they've agreed to respect that limit. So you no longer have to worry when this friend comes over that they're going to try to light up a cigarette in your space. Mm-hmm. Even in, in that example, which would be quite stark and people would mostly be very understanding if, you know, like, I don't want you to light up in my house. I would still in that situation probably be like wrapping it in such apologetic language that I'm apologizing for the fact that I would, if it's okay, no worries. If not, if it's okay, if you could just maybe try, just maybe I would put, I would put it on my kid and be like, just for him, I don't really want it, but I don't mind, but I, I'm okay with it. But, you know, so in some ways I create more anxiety in the moment when I'm trying to act out a boundary. And I think the problem is, and I think this is probably common to a lot of people, we've, we've no clear guidelines on how, what a boundary looks like, the difference between a boundary and avoidance or a boundary and being rude and how to actually act them out. I came across a, a, just a very simple online just definition of it that said boundaries define who we are and who we are not. And I just wanted to ask you, is it at all possible that some people are just the type of people that don't have boundaries or are better off without them? Mm, not really. I can't imagine a scenario in which somebody says, I am going to go through life giving people exactly what they want from me all the time no matter what, whether I want to or not, whether it's comfortable or not, whether it fits my values or my ethics or not, people 
by human nature, will take as much as you are willing to give. That's not a knock on any one person. That is just the definition of human nature. And I can't imagine anybody who would be served by saying, yes, I am just going to allow everyone else's expectations to dictate my lived experience. That does not feel like a healthy or sustainable way to go about your life. And I understand that boundaries feel uncomfortable. They do. It feels uncomfortable to say, I have this need and I am going to clearly and kindly express that need and extend an invitation to you to help me meet that need so that this relationship can feel good for both of us. Yes, why that's is it, uncomfortable. Why is that so uncomfortable? Well, I think as women in particular, we have been taught by systemic factors, the patriarchy, stereotypically rigid gender rules, especially when we become moms, that we should not have needs, mm -hmm. that our needs don't matter, that everyone else's needs and comfort should come above our own. And when we do advocate for our needs, we have been taught in the workplace, maybe as modeled by our families or by others who benefit from us having no limits, that expressing a need is selfish or other words that I will not share on your podcast. <laughs> so I think we've been conditioned to make ourselves small and to think of having needs and sharing those needs as selfish. Mm. But I like to point out that though boundaries are uncomfortable, what you are doing now is also uncomfortable. Feeling anxious around certain conversations or people, avoiding conversation topics, feeling resentful every time you leave an engagement or running through all, all the things in your head of what you could have said, should have said, I should have done that differently, feeling overburdened and burned out. All of that is uncomfortable. And that path just keeps you stuck on this circle that is just cycling and cycling and cycling and draining you further. And clearly and, and kindly expressing your limit leads you down a path to freedom where this person will either say, I didn't know you had that limit i'm happy to help you meet it because that happens very often okay or you discover that the relationship has to change because the other person is not willing or capable of doing the bare minimum to keep you safe and healthy and as difficult as that is that's very important information for you to have i think it's really interesting that a lot of the focus tends to be on how to set a boundary as an individual when the biggest fear for me the biggest I guess why I would be so put off acting it out or why I might in a weaker moment decide just, you know, just to let it go, just to not say anything or just to, you know, just let roll with it is the fear of how it will be received or the reaction of the other person. And do you think, and I'm wondering if your book explores this, like, do we need to focus a little bit more on how we perceive boundaries from other people as well? Because it's not, it's the same with confidence. Like I wrote a book about confidence and you know, it was like how to be more confident, but it was like a lot of the problem with confidence and maybe with boundaries is the fear that you'll be perceived as arrogant. So the fear that a, a boundary setting will be perceived or taken the wrong way as like, oh, you, you don't like me or you're being rude or something. We need to know how, like, I need to check myself when someone sets a boundary with me and, and I do, I need to like question, hang on, am I getting offended here? Am I making this about me? Like, I feel like that's as important as the person setting the boundary. Am I making any sense? You absolutely are. And that is incredibly important. And do you know how you get better at receiving other people's boundaries gracefully at recognizing that they, that what they're doing is setting a boundary, not taking it personally and responding to it gracefully. You get better by setting and holding boundaries in your own life. The more comfortable you become looking inward to realize that you have a limit here, a need that could be met or should be met 
not looking to other people to tell you what your needs should be or what you should be doing, but turning inward and saying, I have a need, my needs are worthy, they have value, my comfort is just as important as other people's, advocating for that need clearly and kindly in your relationships and seeing that relationship expand as a result of you sharing your limit, that's how you get better at recognizing that someone else is setting a boundary with you and respecting that boundary. I had an experience with a friend um, that was such a learning curve for me and I was the one on on the receiving end of her boundary and so I'll tell you the story maybe we can unpack it together. Um, We were working together as both as freelancers like spent a lot of our time together and I was going to New York to flying from Ireland to New York where my book was coming out and I was you know going to be doing different press and stuff and I she was saying oh my god I would love to be in New York how exciting and I took that in my head and I ran with it and I booked her a flight and I didn't tell her and I was like you're going to come with me it's going to be so exciting now I still had to do the certain things that I had to do when I was there like you know she was going to have to like figure things out for a while on herself and I remember I was so excited to tell her and and I said I'm after doing something crazy now I would be very impulsive and she is so not and I was doing it I thought what I was doing was like such a nice gesture and when she responded she was like I'm gonna I'm gonna have to think about it and I was like what who says no to that and I remember my initial reaction was like to be so offended and insulted and because we're so close and so open with each other we were able to talk about it more and she was like Caroline like I know that you're coming from such a good place here and I feel so like basically what happened is I ruined the, her night the night that I told her this happened she was out with her boyfriend she started panicking because she was like I don't know if I can afford to take the time off to do this I don't know if I can if I have the money to do this I'm like it's so last minute I didn't you know so I just put this unwanted thing on her that she didn't ask for that I decided to frame in my head as something that was for her but it was probably for me and I had to see it from her point of view that it took so much strength for her to be like I it would be so easy to just say oh my god amazing and let everything else go to shit but she was had been working very hard in her boundaries and was trying to be like I like to plan things I like to know what's coming I really appreciate that you're doing this but I you know this is your trip I I'm I I know I said it would be great to go but like for, for for so many valid reasons it wasn't for her and I had to really reframe how I responded to that and thought about, like you say, like thought about how I put my own out there. And I just, you know, she's a person who isn't impulsive. She's a person who likes to plan and doesn't like things sneaking up on her. And I'm not that person. So I need to be respectful of the kind of person she is for our relationship to work. So it was such a learning curve. I mean, I think I learned it was like a baptism of fire of, you know, of boundary learning and and it really for for a while like it just bruised my ego like I was annoyed I was upset I didn't I want I kind of probably was a bit icy with her for a while un- until we talked about it and then I was like Do you know what I really needed to learn this yeah honestly that level of clear and kind communication is a gift in all of your relationships because what could have happened is she could have said oh I don't want to say no I feel so bad she went through effort great. I'd love to be there. And then what happens? She shows up for this trip. She's super stressed out. She doesn't have the time or capacity. She's maybe silently a little bit resentful of you. How could you book me on this without even asking? And now she's showing up and that is impacting the relationship in a negative way. Now, neither of you are having the trip that you wanted, but instead 
she said, this is my boundary. And I'm going to say it clearly and kindly. I know your intentions were good. And also I cannot take this trip with you. And that is such a gift because now you know in this friendship that your friend is willing to share her needs clearly and is going to help you support her in the way that would make the biggest difference. And I know in the beginning, it can feel you can maybe be taken aback by this idea. And I understand the defensiveness and I understand the hurt, but the fact that you are able to come out of it and recognize it for a boundary now, I hope you can see that that is such a wonderful gift for your friendship. And the next time she says something and you have the idea, you can say, I want to do something really nice for you. I would love to buy you a ticket for this trip. Think about it. If it's something you'd like to do, let me know and I'm down. And now you can both engage in a way that works for both of you. You can still be impulsive and make the offer and also respect that she needs a bit more time in, in her personality to reflect on that offer and see whether or not it works for her. What do you find is the biggest roadblock for people setting boundaries? Is it that fear of how it will be received? I think very often it is. I think we have not been modeled boundaries by our families or in our relationships. I know I sure wasn't growing up. So I think we don't have a lot of experience with watching people set and hold them. I think we definitely are uncomfortable around the idea of advocating for our needs and wondering how the other person is going to react. I think another big fear is that we just don't know how to say it. I know I need to set a boundary with my mother-in-law because she is constantly criticizing my appearance. I know that. It makes me really uncomfortable. I dread our interactions. I feel resentful when she's around. How do I say that? How do I tell her, please don't do that in a way that is clear, but I also want to be kind. I want to be polite. I don't want to hold it in so long that I explode in anger, but I also don't want to hint or eye roll or laugh or make a joke because that's not clear either. So one of the biggest focuses in the book is giving people actual scripts that they can literally copy and paste, practice in the shower, practice in the car, so that when the next time your mother-in-law said something, you can say, hey, Barbara, I have to say, that doesn't feel very nice. When you give me these backhanded compliments or criticize my appearance without me asking for input, it's not helpful and I don't enjoy it. So please don't offer comments on my appearance unless I ask for it. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, now I know how to say it. And that was perfectly clear and perfectly kind. And your mother-in-law might be upset and she might not like it. And also her reaction to your clear, kind boundary is not your responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's not your job to manage other people's feelings. You express the boundary. She can either choose to show up and meet it or not. And if she chooses not to, it means your relationship is going to change. Not taking responsibility for other people's feelings is probably one of the greatest life lessons we could all learn but one of the hardest and I think I don't know what it is like you mentioned there like you know the way women have been conditioned is it more do you think it's more of a female issue like do women more struggle with this than men with boundary setting because men are more willing to advocate for themselves or they're more likely to think about their own needs not not to generalize but I feel so responsible for everyone in my life's feelings in every interaction I have with them and someone like I'm the classic people pleaser, like someone will be mean to me or bump into me and I'll apologize to them or, yeah. you know, and it's just, it's exhausting living this way. And I know that, and I know that it's just a niggling anxiety that's always there, but it's just so hard to undo. Like you're undoing years of conditioning. It's like, where can we start? If someone is yeah. like, like relentlessly, no boundaries, no limits, 
it seems like an enormous task to take on to suddenly live your life with all these boundaries that fit you. What if you don't even know what the boundaries you should have in place are? Like where, where can we start? Yes. I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed because this practice can be so simple and you can start it absolutely immediately see benefits immediately. That's the beauty of a boundary practice. You don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to tackle the hardest boundary first. A few signs that a boundary is needed. If you're looking for, if you're like, okay, I know I need this. I am energetically drained. I never have time. I'm burned out. I'm resentful. I'm anxious. I know I need a boundary. One of the biggest red flags is that sense of anxiety. If you feel anxiety or dread about a certain person or a certain interaction or a certain conversation topic, that's a red flag. If you feel like in some relationships, you can't show up as your full self. You have to curate pieces of yourself or hide pieces of yourself or show up in a way that meets their expectations, but doesn't feel good for you. That's a sign that a boundary is needed. If you leave an engagement and you just don't like who you are, when you're with this person or you're constantly running through, you leave and you think to yourself, I should have said that. I should have spoken up. I should not have let that slide. I shouldn't have apologized when I didn't do anything wrong. That's a sign. And I think there are some very simple ways to begin. One of the most effective and easy ways to start is boundaries with yourself and with others around food and alcohol. And the reason I like to start there is A, through the Whole30, I've seen how incredibly impactful boundaries around food and alcohol can be for your energy and sleep and mood and cravings and digestion. But we always can control the food and drink that we put in our mouth. So to hold a boundary does not require anyone else's cooperation. And I think that can be a very simple place to start, which is if you go out for a night with your friends and you just don't want to drink, you know it's not going to serve you, you want to get a good night's sleep, you need to get up early the next morning to do your morning routine, you can practice the idea of saying no thanks and let it be that simple without the big explanation, without the big justification, without needing to you know, answer the question why, just no thanks or no, I'm not feeling it tonight or I'm not drinking right now or okay. not tonight thanks. And that's a really easy and impactful way to start because what it does is it builds your confidence. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with something that doesn't necessarily have to impact or be directly involving anybody else. Yes, although sometimes it does involve other people. Maybe it is a food that you know does not agree with you, but your friend made it with love and care. And you can still say, that looks delicious. And it's so nice of you to think of me. And also... I don't eat dairy because it really impacts my digestion. So I'll pass. And that's another really powerful learning lesson. Mm. So food and drink, I think is a very impactful place to start. There's one other place that I really like, which is just a little, play a little game with yourself that for the next week, you won't automatically say yes to anything. So when someone asks you to do something to help, to take on a project, to get together, you will not automatically say yes. You will employ a pause, whether that's five minutes or an hour or the next day to check in with yourself and say, do I have capacity? Do I want to? Will this serve me? Does this feel good? Just that pause alone is incredibly confidence building because now you are not looking to that person to dictate your needs. You are taking a moment to check in with yourself. And that is such an important first step in unlearning all of those behaviors we talked about. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Yeah, something that a place that I began on my very limited experience with boundary setting is almost taking no action. So I, you know, if you have a relationship in your life where you come away from those interactions like feeling how you said you know you could feel like just upset or like you don't like how you how you are how you have to curate yourself um my what I did the action I took was to just like not set up plans or not text that person when I was feeling vulnerable or you know not sharing with them the things that I would share with someone who I feel completely safe and open with and just deciding to because I kept going to that person like hoping for a different response and hoping for an openness that I and I just wasn't getting it so I was like stop do, stop feeding it just redirect it to something that's so I didn't do anything that involved the person apart from just slightly redirect my energy um which really really helped I want to ask you as well because you know you talk there about how we can feel when we come away from something and a lot of those things that you say sometimes sounds like you'd be better off just not having that person in your life like when how do you know the difference between okay I think I'll put some boundaries in place in here versus I'm just gonna opt out of this now obviously like with a mother-in-law you can't really just I mean maybe you can I don't know I I have a great relationship with my mother-in-law but there are some relationships where we could just close the door on when 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 should we do that and when should we not Yes. One of the things I like to remind people, it can feel, especially if you've been under stress and anxious and resentful and frustrated and angry for a very, very long time, and you've been holding it in, it can feel as though you only have two options. Continue to let this person run you over exactly the way that they have been or cut them off entirely. And there are an infinite number of options in between. So I have a worksheet that goes along with my boundary book that's available for download for free. And essentially the worksheet says, it, what is the limit that I need in order for this relationship to function in a, in a healthy way for me? So again, 
maybe it's not that you need to cut off all communications with your mother-in-law. Maybe when you really think about it, the action or the behavior that really stresses you out and makes you anxious is the fact that she's always coming over without calling. It's not that you don't want to have a relationship. It's that when she invites herself into your space without your permission or consent, it makes you feel taken advantage of. And it's, and you don't always have time and you can't show up as your fullest self and you feel like you have to entertain her. Maybe the boundary is just as simple as, Hey, um, Marjorie, I need you to call before you come over and please give us an hour's notice. It's not always you know, easy to stop what we're doing or get the kids out of homework or we're in dinner prep. So if you just called, I could make sure that it was a good time and we'd all enjoy our visits more. Once you realize that perhaps there is a limit you can set around a specific behavior or conversation topic within that relationship, all of a sudden the entire relationship feels so much freer. If you didn't have to worry about your mother-in-law just walking in your front door anytime she felt like it, all of a sudden it feels like, wow, I can, I know I'll enjoy my visits with her so much more. And I'll feel like we have this sense of trust and respect in our relationship that we didn't before. And my kids will enjoy the visit and my husband will enjoy it more because I won't be so stressed and they'll certainly enjoy it more because we'll be prepared for them. And so I like to encourage people to think about where is the specific pressure point or pain point and what specific boundary could you set to help alleviate that before you get to the point of realizing okay, this relationship is simply not sustainable. And now I have to set some serious limits around how or if we even continue to engage. With that example of the of the mother-in-law, it's assuming that all goes well and she's receptive to it. But if the fear is that she won't be or that she'll be like, God, that's very rude. Or how could she say that to me? How should we, if like, how should we prepare when we were about, like, we have, you have the scripts for how to kind of go into establishing a boundary but would it be helpful to prepare how to kind of troubleshoot if it all blows up in your face um, and I think sometimes for me anyway having like a backup plan or having a way to wrap it up would make me feel a little bit more courageous in doing it yes there's a whole chapter okay, about great. how to navigate boundary pushback because it's it's equally likely that your mother-in-law is going to say oh yeah I understand I never thought about it that way sure I'll call that's easy because that is pretty easy and it is a very reasonable request and your mother-in-law being very used to getting her way and having conditioned everyone in her life to say, that's just how she is and don't try to change her, to be very upset. Obviously, in a, in a parent or in-law situation, you want to make sure you and your partner are on the same page and that you can hold this boundary together. That's kind of one aspect of it. The other thing that I like to say is how someone shows up initially, and your story with your friend is the perfect example of that, how someone shows up initially in response to your boundary is often not how they will show up if you give them just a little bit of space and a little mm -hmm. bit of grace. Mm -hmm. So people can in the moment react very defensively or angrily or try to blame shift back onto you, maybe because they've just been called out on some rude behavior that they didn't realize was rude. Maybe because they would love to advocate for themselves in their own lives and don't feel like they have the power to do so. And to watch someone else do it makes them angry. I see that often. Oh, so true. Like, I wish I could. Why is she? How does she think she can do that? Right. Or like, I what right do does she have if I can't do yes. it? So we all have the right. Yes. So how someone shows up initially is often not how they will show up. So in that case, I'm, you know, you, I say to you, hey, I really need you to call before you come over. You get mad. That is rude. That is, un I do not expect that. Um, you know, I have, I should have access to my grandbabies anytime I want. Okay, Marge, I understand that this makes you a little bit upset. Let's talk again in a few days or call me when you're ready to talk about this further. This is, 
this is what I need and this is what we need for our family. And I'd love to continue the conversation when you're ready. You just give them a little bit of space and time to process it on their own. You're not backing down on your boundary because this is what you and your family needs. You're not trying to manage her feelings because that's not your responsibility, but you are giving her a little bit of space and grace. And then you can check in again in a day or two. Hey Marge, just checking in. You know, how are things going after our conversation? Would you like to schedule a visit sometime this weekend? The kids would love to see you and see what happens. And very often they will come back and either begrudgingly or authentically say, okay, you know, happy to meet this limit. And look, if they show up and make a little snide joke now and again about, oh, you know, yeah, your mom makes me call first now, but that's okay, fine, right? Can you live with that? You can if your boundary is being respected and chances are those kinds of jokes will drift away. Okay, very, very helpful. I'm really curious about your own background. How did you come to be so clear on boundaries? What, what was your story? Did, was there a time in your life where you lived life without any boundaries and was anxiety very present for you then? And is it less so now? Uh, yes and yes and yes. I had no <laughs> boundaries growing up. My family modeled uh, avoidance instead of healthy confrontation. So growing up, if something bad happened and you just didn't look at it or didn't talk about it, it didn't exist. So that was the framework that I grew up with. And, you know, after an, an experience with sexual abuse at age 16, I became a drug addict. I spent five years as an active addict and had no boundaries, even when I entered into recovery the first time. And after a year, I relapsed. And it wasn't until my second time in recovery that I discovered kind of accidentally out of a moment of just pure fear for my life and my recovery that I had to set a boundary around my drug use. I had to say to a dear friend of mine, you please don't ever bring drugs into my home. Don't ever use them around me. Don't ever offer them to me. Don't invite me places where you know people are using drugs. I cannot be in those situations. And if you can't agree to that, we can't be friends anymore. That was the first boundary I ever set as a literal matter of life. And Out of desperation, yeah. Yeah, but the moment I saw how that boundary expanded my life and my friendship beyond my wildest imagination, I thought that sharing that would push my friends further away and make me even more isolated, and it did exactly the opposite. And that was really where I began this idea of, oh my gosh, boundaries can be, they can feel safe, they can feel trusting, they can bring more vulnerability and openness into a relationship, they can expand my life and so through that and then through 13 years of leading and coaching people through the whole 30 and teaching them how to set boundaries around their health goals specifically around food and alcohol that was really where my journey and my research and the deep dive I did into all things boundaries kind of began so interesting I mean there's nothing like someone's lived experience to know what you know what it feels like and how how did how did it change your anxiety? So before boundaries, before, especially, and I'm talking about now, like early in my recovery, I was anxious about everything. And like, even outside of my recovery, because my actions were always dependent on what other people asked or expected of me, I never knew what was going to happen in my own life. I never said no. I never felt like I had the right to say no. I didn't feel like my needs or my worth mattered. So I didn't know what was going to happen anytime I showed up at work or in friendships or in romantic relationships. How I showed up was dependent on what other people expected of me. And that's incredibly anxiety producing. I felt like I had no control over my own life because all of my actions were dictated by other people's expectations. 
by setting boundaries now, not only setting boundaries helps me reduce that anxiety because I know I have set a healthy limit and I know the actions I am going to take to keep myself safe and healthy, but even the boundary practice itself has taught me that my needs are worthy and I am worth advocating for. And now I don't have, I basically have no anxiety. I'm, I really don't, I really don't live my life with anxiety at all because I know that I can always do something and take responsibility for my own health and safety. It's amazing. It's like, it's really encouraging as well to know for people listening that maybe they're looking for some, you know, some, something to pin the blame on with anxiety and maybe all, all along they're like, hold on, maybe, maybe there's a light bulb moment of like, maybe it's just a matter of taking back some control. And, and also like the nature of anxiety is like feeling you're like you're not in control so this is a really like practical actionable way to get in the driving seat of your anxiety and put in place some boundaries or limitations that serve you well how can someone be sure that they're not slipping into like avoidance space yeah so remember boundaries are designed to make a relationship better they are designed to keep me safe and healthy and make a relationship better so I always encourage people think about boundaries being from the self. The boundary is always about what action can I take to keep myself safe and healthy. So in the extreme example of me saying to my mother-in-law, I have this limit, please call before you come over so I can make sure that it's a good time for you to visit. And my mother-in-law refuses to respect that perfectly reasonable request and shows up on my doorstep again. I am empowered to open the door and say, Oh, hi, Marge. I'm really sorry. This isn't a good time for us right now. We'll have to call you later and close the door and not invite my mother-in-law in because I have extended an invitation and set a healthy limit. And my mother-in-law has chosen not to respect that. And now I have the power to choose how to respond to that. That I think is the most important thing. I'm not cutting my mother off, my mother-in-law off in spite. I'm not saying, oh, because she came over, I'm just not going to call her for two more weeks or she's not going to get to see the kids at Christmas. All of my actions are related to this limit that I have said that I would set and enforcing those actions myself, not requesting anything else of her, but saying, if you are unable to meet this, this is what I am going to do. And that action makes the relationship better because now again, when she visits, the visits are more free and I don't have to worry about or have the anxiety around her showing up unannounced. So constantly thinking about, is this action coming from the self? Is it an action that I can take to keep myself safe and healthy or to improve the relationship or to hold my limit? And is it directly related to the limit that I've said I need? So a lack of boundaries is one of the really big sources of, of our collective experience of anxiety. Another big source from a, a, a recording I did with a brilliant behavioral neuroscientist was our environment. And I don't mean like the plants and the trees. I mean, our technology, our devices, this constant influx of messaging and notifications and me media and content and colors and buttons. And just, it's, you know, it's just, it's just the way we live now. And it's not, you know, unless you're going to go and live in the Himalayan mountains, you kind of have to roll with it. What are some of your go-to healthy boundaries around technology and detaching from a lot of those, well, I guess, sti stimuli? And uh, because, you know, I think sometimes it can feel like you're going up against a massive machine, literally, when those things and those people and teams designed to keep you on your phone and on on different, you know, f media formats and the news, scrolling the news all the time. Um, you can feel like, oh, well, I don't stand a chance in this because I'm just one person and they're 
they're playing into my need for, you know, all the different dopamine and everything, all the things that keep us hooked. What, where can someone start with that with just simply detaching a little bit? Yes, I love that because we often think about boundaries only in terms of boundaries we set with others, but self boundaries, boundaries that I set with myself can also be incredibly and immediately impactful in terms of my energy, my mental health, my mood, my capacity. And technology is one of the kind of blessings and curses. Obviously, it is designed to provide those dopamine hits and to keep you coming back. And also, I can always control the way that I am choosing to engage with technology. So one of the most impactful boundaries that I've set with myself that I've maintained for the last, I don't know, 13 years is I don't check my phone before I'm finished with my morning routine. Hard stop. I don't look at email. I don't look at social media. I'm not on Slack. I'm not looking at notifications. I do my morning workout. I do my little meditation. I have breakfast with my son. I get him off to school and then I come home and start my day. And if that proves challenging because we're so used to automatically grabbing the phone or the lure of that kind of dopamine hit can feel really strong, one of the easiest ways to hold that boundaries is that I don't charge my phone in my bedroom. I just don't. Because if it's not there, I can't automatically go over in the morning and pick up my phone and look at it. And the chances of me waking up and saying, okay, I set this limit with myself because I know if I hold this limit, I'm going to start my day feeling proactive instead of reactive. It's going to help my mood. It's going to help my mental health. I'm going to get my morning routine done, which is going to make me feel amazing. If I just have that moment of pause, there's a really good chance that I'm going to remember why this boundary is so important to me and the major benefits it's going to bring to future me throughout the course of my day. And I'm not going to wake up, get out of bed, walk into the living room and pick up my phone just to check it. That moment of pause is often enough to get us to remember, okay, I, I changed this routine up for a reason. It's going to be incredibly impactful and I'm going to stick to this new self boundary. So that's one area that I think can be really important. I also encourage people all the time to go through your social media accounts, who you're following, who you're engaging with and do a routine scrub. Unfollow Friday, I call it. Unfollow mm-hmm. anybody who isn't serving you, whose content isn't making you feel good, who's you know making you go down the comparison trap. It's not about them, it's about you. But you have the power of dictating what comes into your phone through your social media apps, and it's a power that I think we all should take advantage of. Yeah, it's such, I mean, it seems like such a simple thing, but it's just so, it's so automatic. Like you say that they're like to live proactively versus reactively. I think so many, so many of us are really living in a reactive state. Like at the moment, my two-year-old is, he's amazing, but he's giving us such a hard time with the toddler tantrums and the, and the terrible twos. And I mean, it's literally, there's just from the minute we get up, it's just one battle after another. And I feel so reactive. And I feel like I'm just dragging myself through the day to get to bed. I'm just filling in the gaps with work bits and trying to just keep all the plates spinning that not at the moment anyway a lot of the feelings I have around anxiety are coming from a lack of feeling proactive and also sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be realistic about some days it's all going to go to shit and that's okay and um, some you know not it's the same with your healthy eating like if you decide I'm going to eat this way you're going to have days obviously and weeks where it doesn't happen and it, it's really important I think to with boundaries I don't know if you agree but they don't have to be hard and fast rules, but something that you aspire to because they serve you better. And if I can take a moment for myself or whether it's with the difficult relationship to just think before I message or create a boundary, 
you know, I mightn't get 100% of it all the time, right? But over time, I will be doing myself a favor. Yes. There's the situation you just described, being in an incredibly stressful season, whether it's a, you know, two-year-old and or a toddler or a season of grief or a job change or an illness, you can't always control things that are happening in your life. And you can't always boundary your way out of a stressful situation. But what you can do is set healthy limits in other areas of your life to buy yourself more of that capacity to navigate that stressful situation. So yes, I cannot control if my child is going through like a developmental stuff or behavior issues. I can't control how he chooses to behave. But what I can do is set boundaries around technology in the morning, set boundaries around what I'm doing in the evening so that my wind down routine feels peaceful and relaxed, say no to you know, friend gatherings that like, I don't really want to go to anyway and might just drain me. I can buy pieces of capacity back from other areas of my life to give me more to navigate this one difficult situation. And absolutely boundaries are flexible. They are always relationship dependent. They are always context dependent. Maybe at some point in your family, you no longer need your mother-in-law to call before she comes over because you know, since you've set that boundary, she's far more respectful. She comes over and she's more helpful with the kids. She doesn't require you to entertain her now. She just comes in and kind of pitches in. Absolutely, you should say, is this boundary still serving me? And is this the exact boundary that I need? So they absolutely should be flexible. And they should always include a period of grace, especially if you're setting a boundary with yourself. Melissa, you have covered so comprehensively and so so clearly um, where to start and you know everything we should know about boundaries in a way that's really practical really realistic which I think is so important because you know we can read all these things about the ideal scenario where you know we just we we stop saying yes to everything and like really so many of us end up feeling like oh I can't even successfully do that because you know it's we're hardwired to live a certain way this is a very gentle relaxed realistic approach to it and I really really appreciate that because you're working with yourself as opposed to against yourself and that's always been my big focus with owning it and um, but to remember that boundaries are not there as a punishment for you or something to feel bad about they're there to serve you and help you and um, get live the fullest life and feel your your least anxious self so I can't thank you enough for everything that you've shared um please tell me the book is available everywhere yes it is the book of boundaries it's called it's available wherever books are sold Um, And you can find more information about me at my website, which is melissau.com. And I'm active on Instagram as well at melissau. But not in the mornings. Well, no, not in the mornings. (laughs) Not until I'm done with my morning routine. That's, and you don't have to worry. I'll hold my own boundaries there. Yes. You can DM me anytime you want and I will hold my boundary. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. Best of luck with the book. I'm sure it's going to just fly off the shelves and you'll have another New York Times bestseller on your hands. And congratulations. And thank you for taking the time. Thank you, Caroline. It was great speaking with you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.